If Christ came to abolish the Torah, then he did not fulfill anything. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour, and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. He came to fulfill. And this is why we must understand the relationship between the Old Covenant and its Torah, and the New Covenant and its Torah. What exactly is the New Covenant? Here's a verse that tells us, Isaiah 42, 6, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will have, hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. This is a messianic prophecy. God says that the covenant that will be given to the people is none other than Christ. The new covenant, brothers and sisters, is a person. Here's a newsflash. It's a person. It's not a contract. It's not a set of instructions. It's a person, a living person. It's not words written in paper. It is a person. This is what the new covenant is. We don't often think of the, maybe we hardly think of the new covenant in this way. Many times we think of the new covenant as another contract that God makes with us based on all these different conditions and regulations. And if we were to go a little closer, and see what does it mean when we say Christ is the new covenant. Someone say, what does that mean? That sounds a little bit abstract. What do you mean the covenant is a person? Well, here's how Jesus says it. He, defined, he explains it a little clearer. Luke 22 and verse 20. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament. That's the same word as covenant. It's just a different word says the same thing. The New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The New Testament is where, brothers and sisters? He says, in my blood. Blood means life. This is why the sacrifice of Christ, we said earlier, is the core, it's the heart of the new covenant. The new covenant is Christ, particularly his very own life. This is what he told his disciples. In his life is this covenant. In other words, in having his life, we are in the new covenant. Covenant, this is what it's about, brothers and sisters. It's a living reality. Now, the life of Christ, I hope you realize, is not a set of instructions written somewhere. It is not a set of conditions. It is actually his, excuse me, his very own life. It's a reality. It is not a concept. It is not a theory. It is not a, a clever way to try and make these conditions a little bit more effective. It is actually a person. It's himself. It's his life. This is what he said. And so therefore, the Torah of this covenant, or in other words, the Torah of Christ, or the law of Christ, because we're talking about the Torah of the new covenant. If Christ is the new covenant, then what is the Torah of the new covenant? What is the law of Christ? Okay, many different uh, mumbled answers. We'll see what the Bible says. But I, I hope you're thinking, right? I hope you're thinking because honestly, many times we call... The new covenant, or we refer to the new covenant, when we say new covenant, in our mind we have old covenant concepts and ideas. And we think that's the new covenant. And we just change a few things. The most common application, or the most common understanding, I said it, I want to say it again, the most common understanding of the, of the Torah and the new covenant is basically a copy-paste, like you do on the computer. You copy the law that was particularly in stone. That's the one that people focus on. You copy that and you paste it where? In the heart. 
right? And say, there you go. God writes the law in the heart, and this is what the new covenant is about. I want you to think carefully about that. Which law or which Torah would God put in the heart? Would he put the unfulfilled Torah or the fulfillment of it? Because there is a change of Torah. There is not just a change of location. It's not just a change of application. It's not just a change of appearance. There is actually a change of the Torah itself. It changes from the unfulfilled to the fulfilled. From the incomplete to the complete. From the shadow substance and the reality. So what are we talking about? Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul is talking here about the Torah of the New Covenant. Here it is. You know what it's called? It's the law of the Spirit in life. Where is that? In Christ Jesus. That's what makes us free from the law of sin and death. This is the Torah of the New Covenant. Now, the thing is, brothers and sisters, many times we think that the new covenant simply is this. God supernaturally writing the words of the Ten Commandments in our heart, right? Or in the mind. And uh, for that purpose, I guess, many people have memorized the Ten Commandments. And I've actually heard pastors say, you know, when you memorize the Ten Commandments, God traces over that with his, you know, magic marker, so to speak and makes it permanent in your heart, in your mind. And this is what it means to be in the new covenant. I have news for you. There's something better. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's not words. It is life. It is the life of the Son. The Torah of the spirit. The life that is in Christ. Now notice Paul makes a contrast in the next verse, just so we don't miss the point. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Which law was weak through the flesh? The Torah of the old covenant. In other words, it could not make anyone perfect or complete. It was weak. Through humanity, it could not uh, perform or bring about the result that was promised completely. So what was needed was someone to fulfill. And so the law served the purpose to point to that someone. And it continued to serve this purpose until the seed came. As when Christ came, he says, I did not come to destroy that law. I came to fulfill it. I came to bring you the reality that's promised in that law. And so Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Now he says, take drink, this is my cup. This, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. And now he gives us this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It was not possible through the law, but only through the fulfillment. This is why God made sure. He told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, this new covenant is not according to the one I made with the Father. It's something different. There's something better. There's something superior. Now, <clears throat> this element, the new element in this covenant and this Torah, 
is something that God had never promised in this way. Jesus says it when he was here on earth. He says, you know, he that believes on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the Bible says, he, when he said this, he was referring to the Spirit, which was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. That Spirit is what Paul is talking about here. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to think about it this way. Why was the law or the Torah weak through the flesh? Because what we needed the most, because of the sin problem, what we needed the most was life. Isn't that right? Sin kills. Sin is death. What we needed is life. Could the law give life? Bible actually says if there was a law that could give life, God could have given us that law. Easy. But there is no law that could, there is no law that could give life. The Torah was incapable, of the Old Covenant was incapable of giving life to the people, of making the people perfect. Now think carefully about this. The promised blessing of the Old Covenant, the blessing of if you obey, you will live, had to be carried out by God as an addition to the law. Meaning, if you comply with the law, God would then have to do something and bestow a blessing upon you. You with me? That blessing was not contained in the law. It didn't come from the law. It was spelled out in the law. It was promised in the law, but it did not come from the law. It came directly from, from God. It's not the case in the new covenant. In the new covenant, the blessing is in the covenant itself. Who's the new covenant? Christ. Every blessing of the new covenant is contained in him. In other words, God does not have to do anything outside of that covenant to add to it, to give you any blessing. Everything is in Christ. You see the difference? That's why Paul says the law was weak. It could not, obtain, it could not accomplish the giving of life. Only Christ can give us that life and that spirit. Of course, with the right understanding of the spirit, it's none other than Christ. That's why if the spirit that dwells in us is anyone other than Christ, that's not in harmony with the new covenant. It's someone other than Christ, something outside of Christ in order to have some help, some comfort, or anything of the sort, that's a problem. That's why the doctrine of the Trinity is contrary to the new covenant. Because it says, Christ is not enough, you also need someone else. You can get a blessing outside the covenant. That makes the covenant what? Incomplete. Right? If God has to bless you with something outside the covenant, then that covenant is lacking and is incomplete. That's why the Bible actually says God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Where? In Christ Jesus. Every single blessing is in the covenant in Christ. You have his life, you have the blessing. This is a very important principle. What does it mean practically? Hopefully we'll see as we go along. Christ is the living reality, brothers and sisters of the words and the promises of the Torah. Now I want to look at, uh, at an aspect. I want to deal with a legal right versus a greater right. A legal right versus a greater right. What am I talking about? What is legal is not always right. And when I say legal, according to God's law. It's not always right in every single case. Now that sounds a bit strange, I know, because we're told what? The law is perfect 
and, and it's as perfect as God is perfect, holy and just, and so on and so, so forth. When we talk about the law, when we talk about words, words, you know, sometimes we even say it in, 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 our, in our English language. Sometimes something happens and we say words fail us, right? Because there's certain emotion or experience or feeling and we just can't find the right words to truly reflect and articulate this particular feeling or emotion. You know that words fail in conveying completely God's mind and character and heart? They have a shortcoming. They are words. They're only words. How can you perfectly reflect God's mind and heart and character? You need a, a person. You need someone who fully knows God. You need a living reality. It's called Christ. So that's why I'm saying a legal right is not always right. Jesus demonstrates this. On Sabbath, he was with his disciples. They ate from the corn or the wheat, and the Pharisees had a problem. Here's a story, Matthew 12, 3 to 8. So they came complaining to Christ, right? And they said, you know, how come, uh, how come your disciples are doing this and defiling the Sabbath? Here's his answer. He said unto them, have you not read what David did when he was unhungered and, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. What's Christ doing here? We're familiar with the story, but he's using an illustration and he's basically showing them that what was legal in the law was not always right. In other words, if we reverse it, David violated the letter of the law, right? Was David in the wrong? No. What's he doing? He's dealing with a certain mentality that they had. What had happened was they had heaped the Sabbath law with all kinds of other regulations to protect the law and to protect the sanctity of the Sabbath. So what they accused the disciples of was not even law, uh, was not according to God's law, it was according to the elders. But Christ is dealing with that mentality of sticking to the letter exclusively and failing to see what the author of the letter indicates. And then he uses examples from the Torah, from the Bible, from what God had indicated. He says, listen, the law actually says you should not eat from the showbread. David ate from the showbread, didn't he? What's he showing them? A greater right than what is just a legal thing. And then he goes on and gives them another example. Verse 5, or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. We quote that last verse a lot, right? This is the context in which Jesus gave it. Do we really understand what he's trying to say? What's he telling them? He says, look, the law, he's showing them exceptions, right? He's telling them, go think about this to show you that your understanding is completely wrong. The Jews had failed to see beyond the letter of the law to find the author of the law and understand the heart of the author of the law. There are many examples, examples, you know, of, of divorce and, and the treatment of others. And we're going to look at that as well. But he's telling them there is something here. He's pointing to himself. He says, these priests would, 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 would violate the written law of the Sabbath, but they were blameless. And then he says, in this place is one greater than the temple. What does he mean when he talks about the temple? 
The temple was the house that housed the whole system, right? Everything was in the temple because in that temple was the most sacred object, the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark was the very law itself. In the side of the Ark was the book of the law. So he's telling them, listen, one greater than all of this is here and you don't realize it. The fulfillment is here, I don't realize. You're so caught up on these words and instructions, you're failing to see beyond them into the heart of God. And that these words, perfect as they are, they are incomplete in portraying fully God's mind and God's heart. You need someone to actually demonstrate that to you. One greater than the temple. He's dealing with a mindset, brothers and sisters, that many of us might have today. And the mindset is this, the, the law and the author of the law are equal and interchangeable. I have news for you. The author is greater than the law. The author is greater than the law because there is more to the author than everything that's in the law, right? Are you looking to take your Bible study to the next level? Do you want to learn how to apply the Word of God in your daily life and share it more effectively with others? My Bible Academy is your online Bible school, offering a free, comprehensive, and dynamic program designed to deepen your understanding and engagement with the Bible. Take the next step in your spiritual growth and enroll to start a course at My Bible Academy today. The courses are designed to equip you with the tools and knowledge you need to share your faith with others. Visit nadamansour.com to enroll and start your learning journey today. That's nadamansour.com. See you there. The Bible says in the law, don't kill, right? Has anyone killed someone here? Chances are, if I ask you if you killed someone, you'll say no. What does Jesus say about killing or murder? He says, if you what? If you hate your brother, that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the greater reality of what God was intending with these brief words of do not kill. You understand? So you might literally not kill, but you still might in the new covenant, right? Because of the Torah of the new covenant. You with me? If you live by the Torah of the old covenant, in the new, you might think you're better off than you really are. That's what the Jews were, brothers and sisters. It was actually the Jews who lived by the letter of the Torah that murdered the new covenant. They murdered Christ. They were living by the letter. They had failed to move on. This is what the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 3.6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. You want a vivid illustration of that? Look at the Jews. They used the letter to kill Christ. But you know what? They didn't literally do it. They didn't put the nails in his hand. They didn't put him on the cross. And yet they killed him. They used the letter of the old covenant to murder the new covenant. In other words, if you fail to understand the purpose and role of the old covenant, 
it will serve as an obstruction for you from realizing and understanding and appreciating the new covenant. And so ministering the New Testament is, of course, the new covenant. To minister that covenant, you don't minister the letter. In other words, the ministry of the new covenant is not about laws. It's not about regulations. It's not about conditions. It's not about do this and you will live or do this and you will obtain God's favor. It's a ministry that ministers what? The Spirit. So if you're a minister today and what you're ministering is the law, you're a minister of which covenant? If you are ministering the letter of the law, which covenant are you ministering? The old. Now I want you to think about this as well. At the end of this chapter, there is a verse. I think you all know it. I'll start it off. Now the Lord is that spirit, right? You know that verse? And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Who is that spirit? It's Christ. So the new covenant is a ministry that ministers Christ, a person. That person is not instructions and directions and commandments. Now someone might say, well, brother, what you're saying sounds good, but you're very subtly doing away with the Ten Commandments. And I can see what you're doing. Brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to do away with the Ten Commandments. I'm trying to tell you, we can have the author of the Ten Commandments. Now, in all honesty, do you really think that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is going to lead you to disregard the Ten Commandments? Honestly? Do, does someone really have to say, but, but we maintain the Ten Commandments? I'm giving you the greatest. I'm giving you the one who wrote them. I'm giving you their author. Not me. The Bible presents that. But this is what we are to minister as the ministers of the New Covenant. And this is why it's vital that we have also a correct understanding of the Spirit. You see, many times we find... Like I said, the, the abuse of the Old Covenant and the Torah of the Old Covenant can serve as a stumbling block that actually kills the New Covenant. What the Jews did in person and in reality is many times what happens in our minds. We can use the Old Covenant and we can use the Torah of the Old Covenant in such a way to actually kill Christ from our experience. Not fully, not completely, but to hinder and to put away Christ. Kind of like the man who tries to plant the Sydney sign in the middle of the city, right? And he gets so obsessed with the sign. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. When I travel, I have my phone here with me. And on my phone, uh, I have a lot of pictures of, of my family, particularly my, my girl, my baby girl, right? Well, she's not a baby now. She's walking, so she's, she's past that stage. And some of you have asked me, you know, how is she doing? And, and I'll pull out my phone with a big smile on my face and, and I'll go and show you the picture. I'm very proud. And I sit there sometimes and I look at her pictures. It's a, it's a representation of her. It's not her, but it's something that approximates her. Really de detailed and accurate, but it's not her. Now get this. What would you think of me if I went home and my baby comes in my arms, you know, and I'm holding her and my wife... And then I'm happy and I say, okay, can you hold her just for a minute there? And I go to the room and I pull out my phone and I start looking at the pictures of Amaya, my girl. What would you think of me? Strange, huh? Yeah, some of you are laughing. Maybe someone might make that. Thank you, brother. There it is again. Something wrong with me, right? I agree with you. 
I, I, don't do, I don't look at the pictures when I'm at home. When she's there, you with me? Now, sometimes we do when she's asleep, okay? But, uh, but, but you get the point. The point is this, when you have the reality, the representation is no longer needed. It's no longer relevant, it's no longer satisfying. Now, brothers and sisters, many times in our experience, we go back to the old covenant Torah and we borrow elements from it and try and implement it in the new. We have the reality in Christ. Now, many people do this very with good motives, many times very sincerely, but you know what that does? It obstructs the reality. To implement the shadows of the old covenant in the presence of the light of the new is to obstruct the light that much. And the more shadows you implement, the more of that light you obstruct. There are many illustrations the Bible gives us. This is why Christ shows us there is something better that is here. If there is something better, then why go back to that which is inferior and that which is incomplete and needing to be fulfilled? To maintain the unfulfilled law or any part of it is to say that the fulfillment is not yet come. It's not yet here. The fulfillment, brothers and sisters, began with Christ. And when it began with Christ, he ushered in a totally different period, a period that is referred to as light. And when we say it began with Christ, it doesn't mean that Christ fulfilled every single thing then and there when he was born or when he died. There are things that were fulfilled when he was born. There were prophecies about that. There were prophecies about his death. There are also prophecies and types about things after his death and on. And there are some aspects of the Torah that are still to be fulfilled in the ministry of Christ and so on. One of them is the second coming. But the period of the fulfillment has begun with the cross. We're now living in the fulfillment side of things. That's why we do not implement the unfulfilled law. And this is why God told Jeremiah it will be different. And through Paul, he says, there is a change also of the law. Now, uh, this particular aspect of writing the law in the heart, I want to mention something about that as well, as to what it actually means. Now, uh, let me read the verses first. I'll show you a picture. How is that? Here is a picture. This is a heart or a representation of a heart. And in that heart is, is the law. Question, is this picture illustrate New Covenant or Old Covenant? Okay, that's good to hear. You've been paying attention. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Did you know that the Old Covenant was to be written in the heart? The Torah of the, of the Old Covenant was to be written in the heart? We think this is the New Covenant. Many of us. And I've had enough discussions with people to know that this is a very prevalent uh, thinking process that exists. I used to think this way. Isaiah 51, 7, hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. That's which covenant? Old covenant. So even the old covenant had the Torah written in the heart. So you can't come and say, well, the new covenant is the same Torah in the heart. That's the old one. The new one is not according to that covenant. The new one actually has the law of the spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus. It has a person. God puts a person in your heart. The person is the reality. It's the 3D. It's the destination of the law. It's the goal of the law. It's the object of the law. You know, I've, uh, I've memorized the Ten Commandments. How many people have memorized here the Ten Commandments? Hands up if you have memorized the Ten Commandments. Okay, that's most of everyone. Well done. As good commandment-keeping people, it's, it's good to memorize the Ten Commandments. God bless you. And you know, I did that because I used to think, you know, the new covenant is the law in the heart. And, and, and we understand the law is the Ten Commandments, you know. And so God writes it on my heart. Well, I'll help him out. I'll go ahead and memorize it and, and just, you know, help him on the way. And, and that's in my heart. You ever thought that way? Don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> and honestly, brothers and sisters, it's a very, it's a very you know, maybe it's a, it's a bit of a childish way to think of things. It's a bit simplistic. It's, it's good maybe for a, certain, for a certain place, but God wants us to move on. There is a greater reality. Now, memorizing Ten Commandments is not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating uh, that, you know, that was a bad thing. But I can assure you that you can memorize not just the Ten Commandments. You can memorize the entire Bible. And it would not mean you're in the New Covenant. You can memorize every word. Because the New Covenant... It's not about letters and words, okay? It's about what? Spirit. It's, a bit, it's about life. If you have the life of Christ, that's the new covenant. You're in that covenant. If you don't have the life of Christ, you're not. The life of Christ does not come to you when you obey a certain set of rules or when you follow certain instructions or certain specifications. How does the life of Christ come? To him that believeth. In other words, what God writes, the Torah that God writes is not words and letters. He writes, he puts the spirit of life in your heart. That's the Torah of the new covenant. Now, Matthew chapter 5 is the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in the same passage that Jesus says, he did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. In the Sermon on the Mount, you have a beautiful, beautiful illustration of how Christ, the new covenant, expands and expounds on the old. How he can fulfill, he's giving you some fulfillment, some applications, and some uh, realistic images of what it looks like to live in this new covenant. And he's fulfilling the old. For example, I want to illustrate what I'm saying. He was the law of the Spirit speaking. What does he say? He says, love your, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for those that persecute you and despitefully use you. Have you ever heard that before in the Old Covenant? Brothers and sisters, this is not in the Old Covenant. God did not require His people to operate by the standard of the new covenant that was still to come. You know why? Because that law was only in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It was not in the letter of the law. Simply put, it's like this. It's impossible by following a set of instructions to love your enemies. It's impossible to have a heart that will pray genuinely for those that despitefully use you. The problem is this. Many times we treat this instruction of Christ as a law. You realize that? Meaning this. 
The law says we are to love our enemies. So we see our brother or our sister, which we have a problem with. We consider them an enemy in our hearts. But the law says we are to love them, right? And so we see them on Sabbath, we smile, and we do the right thing. But we don't in our heart truly love them, but we try. We put on a front. Now, this is something that happens on the inside. It's impossible with the old covenant letter of the law to love your enemies. Absolutely impossible. What you need is Christ in the heart. This is what you need. And this is why in that passage, Jesus a number of times tells them, you have heard it said, and I say unto you. What's he doing? He's not giving a contrast or a conflict. He is expanding and he is illustrating the greater reality of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's telling you that the law, the letter of the law has limitations. The spirit is so much greater. Now here's the question. How many of you have memorized the Sermon on the Mount? This is the new covenant speaking. This is the law of the spirit of life expounding, telling you the greater fulfillment of the old covenant. Now, memorizing it does not prove anything. But what I'm asking is simply to illustrate how we think and how we understand things, brothers and sisters. The greater reality, the fulfillment of the law has come, Christ. The whole law, not just the types and the shadows, the entire system of the law. Even the Ten Commandments and the way that God gave them were only to point forward to something better that He would do in Christ. The golden rule is in the Ten Commandments. Uh, sorry, it's in the end of that sermon, right? What's the golden rule? Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And you know what Jesus says when He says that? For in this is fulfilled all the law and the prophets. How is that going to be possible? He puts His Spirit within you. In other words, we don't have to go to a set of instructions and try and follow it in our own strength. By putting our willpower, you know, exerting our willpower and our effort, it is actually to go to Christ. And in Christ we find that fulfilled and completed. When we look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments is probably the, the epitome of of the law, because we refer to it as the moral law. And many times when we talk about the law, this is the only part that we're talking about. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll find, I'm not going to go into it in detail, but they are listed as a set of prohibitions, meaning it is don'ts. There are ten. Eight of those commandments are listed as don't. Only two are not. Which two? The Sabbath and? Honoring your parents. Okay, come on. You, you said you memorized the Ten Commandments, right? So, so you, should, you, should, you should know them. Yeah, four and five. Thank you. That's exactly right. Now, the parents is true. That's a positively stated one. That's good. And the Sabbath says remember, but then it gives a set of prohibitions by telling us what we are not to do on the Sabbath. Now, when you give instructions as in the negative or as prohibitions, that's the most basic and the most succinct way to express something. We have it in, in picture forms today in the different places we go. Uh, and when we go to a park, you'll see a sign and, and with all the things crossed out, like no camping, no fishing, uh, you know, right? You know what I'm talking about? That's a prohibition. 
don't do something. You know, when, uh, when Amaya, my, my daughter, uh, when, she, when she walks around or crawls around and gets to different places that are dangerous, we don't want her to go to, we say, don't, don't go there. Or don't, don't get into that drawer. Don't eat that. Don't go near the oven. Now she's walking, so she goes near this, the steps. Don't go near the steps. Back off in the negative. A limited way. I don't. I can't sit with her and explain in detail why, the why, and the how, and the if, and all the. All I can give is don't do this. A prohibition for now. <clears throat> when we talk about the Sabbath as well, you know, we talk about, uh, and I've had this discussion so many times. We know more. If if you've been an, a Seventh Day Adventist or a Sabbath keeper for any length of time, this has come up guaranteed. Where we sit down. Sabbath afternoon or sometime, and we discuss all the things that we can and can't do on the Sabbath. You ever been in such discussions? Man, these discussions are long and hard and to a certain level of detail that is absolutely amazing in some of these discussions. And the point simply is this. We seem to know more about what we're not supposed to do on the Sabbath than what we are to do. The Sabbath, in our minds, translates to a much bigger list of the things we can't do. We know all that. We know all the things we're not allowed to do. Many, some of us, if you grew up in an Adventist home, this is how it was. You know when I grew up? The Sabbath was the day of don'ts. No TV, no buying, no this, no that, no the other thing. And it translated into the no fun day. Sometimes I wait for the Sabbath to finish so I can go do all the fun things because it's all the things you can't, you can't play with these toys, you can't do this, you can't go there, you can't go here, and so on. So You know what I'm talking about? The negative does not convey the positive. The negative is a prohibition. God in the New Covenant, brothers and sisters, gives us the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He does not want us to just know all the don'ts. He wants us to know the do. He wants us to understand what He desires for us to do in every situation. And He can't list every single situation that we will face. So He says, you know what? I'm going to give you the spirit of life in my Son. I'm going to give you my own spirit. My Son will abide in you. And in every circumstances you meet, you will know and understand what you need to do. I don't need to give you a list because there is no list that can be as exhaustive as every situation you will ever face in your life. That's why we talk about the Torah being a shadow and Christ is the substance. A person rather than a set of instructions and laws. Now, uh, that's, yeah, that's the picture. It goes with the Ten Commandments being uh, as prohibitions. When we talk about the shadow and the substance, I want to, I want to close with this segment because this is a, a point of practical application for us today. And this is a point that I want to address because it's come up so often. And I want to talk about it because it has caused confusion for people. And uh, I'm going to be very brief, okay? Because I know our time, is, uh, our time is up. Christ is the fulfillment of the shadows of the Old Covenant, every one of them. When we talk about how we obtain a blessing in the New Covenant, we said that every blessing, the Bible told us, every blessing is contained where? In? In Christ. There is no blessing outside of that. But sadly today, 
there is a certain theological position that says, if you follow a certain formula, you can get an added blessing. And this is why I'm saying it. I want to apply a practical component just to illustrate how when we misunderstand the difference between the Old and the New Covenant, we can be misled into different ideas. A good example of if you have the right formula, you will receive a blessing is in the theology that says, if you keep the feasts of the Old Covenant, you will receive a blessing. You might be familiar with this idea. You might even believe it. Okay, my point is not to offend anybody. We're all brothers and sisters, and I believe we all love the Lord, and we want to do what's pleasing in His sight. What leads some of the brethren to see something a certain way, while another group sees the exact opposite? It's misunderstanding what God requires of us. It really comes down to a misunderstanding of the covenant. And this is why I'm giving this illustration. Now, I'm not trying to say this to offend anyone. I hope you don't take it personally. I hope you know me well enough that you don't take it personally. But I'm dealing with a certain theological understanding. Feastkeeping today, if you boil it down to its most basic level, is this. If you keep those times, you will receive a blessing. In different words, but this is basically what it boils down. And this is sometimes some brethren, you know, get into the whole, well, we need to find the right time because you need to keep the right time according to the to the law, and the law specifies some of the ways you can do that. What is happening here, brothers and sisters, this is borrowing elements of the old covenant and implementing them in the new. Now, the danger with this, I want to explore the danger briefly as well. The danger with this is, why stop at the feasts, for example? The feast was only a shadow of many other shadows. The reality and the fulfillment is Christ's. The shadow is incomplete. Christ is complete. Now, when we talk about the blessing and someone, uh, you know, saying you will be blessed if you have the right formula, someone will say, because I'm, I'm running out of myself, I'm thinking faster than I'm talking. Because people say, you know, in the new covenant, you have the blessing. But if you observe this feast or that feast, there is an added blessing. Now, here's a question. Is that blessing outside of Christ? People will say, no, 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 it's in Christ. Everything is in Christ. But there is a condition on that blessing. You have to find the right formula for calculating the date. So, brothers and sisters, that's the conditions of the old covenant implemented in the new. The old covenant was, if you do this in such a way, then you will be blessed. That's not the condition of the new or any part of the new. You with me? So it's important to explore and examine exactly what we are doing. Are we adding conditions with good motives, with good intentions? Are we adding conditions to the new covenant? Are we adding blessings that are besides Christ, that require certain conditions for us to obtain them? I think it goes without saying that we cannot do that. Now, when we talk about uh, this subject, I, and the reason I'm addressing it is because I have a number of friends who are of that persuasion. And uh, this, this particular point is often raised. They say, look, it's really, it's really harmless. Why are you talking about the feast? You should leave the feast alone because it's, it's fellowship time. We gather together. It's a good thing. It's, it's, it's a harmless thing. It's actually beneficial for some people. You should focus on all the other things that we need to talk about. I want to share with you why I believe it is dangerous for the following reasons. I'll give an example. This is a picture of the high priest 
and the sacrificial system, or a lamb, was to be offered. If I dressed like a Levitical priest, and after the meeting tonight, I had a lamb tied up there, and I go and sacrifice that lamb, would you be concerned? I hope so. What would, you, what would your, your reasons be for your concern? You come and tell me, okay, it's been fulfilled. You come and tell me about the new covenant. But I'll turn around and tell you, but brother and sister, hold on a minute. I'm actually very blessed as I go through this experience. I gain a deeper insight into some of these things. Now, I'm illustrating this not, not to make fun of anyone, but I, I'm illustrating a certain pattern of thinking, brothers and sisters. And you will come and tell me about the blessings that are contained in Christ. Now, of course, you will think there's something, hopefully, like you said, you think there's something wrong with me. But I will assure you very vehemently that I'm in the new covenant. I say, don't worry, don't worry. I understand all these things. I'm just going through these things. I'm actually doing them by faith. I'm doing these things by faith. I know that Christ is the reality, is a fulfillment, but I'm doing this by faith. So it's, I'm not trying to obtain any uh, righteousness or any goodness out of this experience, but there is a blessing. Actually, you should join me. Okay, you would be very concerned. Many times we put this word, brothers and sisters, as a way to sanitize anything that we want to do, right? If you say by faith, it means you believe in righteousness by faith. We read earlier, the Bible says, the law is not of faith. You remember that? The law is not of faith. That's worth considering. But here is the, the question I want to ask. If you are of that persuasion, I want to ask you a question that I honestly don't know the answer to. But when it says the law is not of faith, if you hear me say that, you will honestly think there is something wrong with me because my actions and my words don't seem to match up, right? If I'm involved in this behavior. My actions seem to be of, sorry, my words saying are saying of faith. I say I recognize, but my actions are still implementing the unfulfilled shadowy part of the law while the fulfillment is here. And that indicates a problem. The old covenant Torah, brothers and sisters, is not the new covenant. Here's the question that I want to put to you. And if you are of this persuasion, as far as keeping the feast, I honestly want you to give serious consideration to this question. You know, and we can discuss things after if you want. This is not about telling people off or proving a group wrong or, or attacking a certain uh, person's beliefs. Okay, this is not what this is about. The question is this. By what authority do you separate that which God has joined together? What is your authority? Because this is the key. When God gave this system of shadowy and shadowy types, He gave it all together as one package. He gave the priesthood, He gave the temple, the sanctuary, He gave all these things together, and the feasts. So when the feasts were given, they were tied to the sacrificial system, they were tied to the temple, they were tied to the priesthood, and they were tied to Jerusalem. One package. By what authority do you separate one of those and implement it while ignoring the rest? The Bible says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. He spoke that of marriage. God joined together all these elements in a system that he calls the shadowy types, the law, which was a shadow of good things to come and had a shadow of good things to come. So this is an honest question. This is not a, you know, a trick question. This is an honest question, and I want you to really examine it. If you want to have my attention, 
When you come talk to me about the fees, this is the question I will ask you. If you want to implement the fees, consistency demands that you implement the whole package. You can't pick and choose because God has not authorized a separation anywhere. He has given us a different covenant with a different Torah. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's here, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the new covenant. It's here. And Christ is that covenant. You know, in the new covenant, you're not only blessed for two weeks during the year. You're blessed all the time. If you think the feasts are good and you have a good blessing for two weeks, you're going to love the new covenant. Absolutely. Christ gives that blessing all the time. If you gather in the name of Jesus, as little as two or three, he is there with all the fullness of blessings of the new covenant. You realize that? Even if you get the date wrong. He actually says you don't have to worry about the date anymore. That was a shadow to point forward to Christ. So I want to invite you. I'm not, I don't want to say this to condemn anyone. I want to invite you. There is something better. Maybe we don't fully understand it. Maybe we don't fully realize it. Maybe we don't fully comprehend it. That's a possibility. And I know every brother and sister here who, who is of a different persuasion loves the Lord. This is not about your love or your commitment to the Lord. But it's about how we understand some of these things. Our last verse is the appeal that Paul makes. I'll close with this and then we will pray. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is the appeal that Paul makes at the close of his dissertation on the better covenant, the new covenant. The things that are well-pleasing in his sight. Where do you find those written down? That goes well beyond the Ten Commandments, brothers and sisters. You find those when you have the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So I'll leave it there. If you were blessed by this message, please share it with others. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of future episodes. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through his son, Jesus.